0: reach out to me at stephanie@mission.org at to see how your business can benefit from partnering with our team at UpNext in Commerce. Welcome to UpNext in Commerce, the show that takes you to the front lines of what's happening in digital retail and beyond, with conversations from fast-growing startups to the Fortune 500 and everything in between. You'll get a glimpse into what's next. I'm your host Stephanie Postles, the co-founder and CEO of mission.org and I'll be your guide through all the trends, innovations, and hot topics in the world of commerce. In the ever-evolving world of commerce, brands are constantly looking for data and resources to help them carve out a path forward in this fast-paced economy. Salesforce continues to be the source of information for brands everywhere, which is why I wanted to bring back a repeat guest, Kayla Schwartz, who's a Director of Industry Insights at Salesforce we got to dig into the second edition State of Commerce reports findings, such as how automation is quickly changing the world of commerce, the economic challenges to come, plus some tips and predictions for how brands should handle the upcoming holiday season. All right, let's get into it. the blue-collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who want to break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Kayla, welcome back to the show. I'm excited to bring you back for, I think,
1: third time, right? Maybe. It's it's hard to keep track at this point, but thank you for having
0: me. Yeah, I'm excited for everything we're going to dive into today. We have a lot of pieces that we're going to cover. And so first, I think I want to start with Salesforce's second edition state of commerce report. I've been you know, reading it in the ad reads and my YouTube videos. I've said it so many times and I'm excited today to dive into it with you. So first, I want to know... What were maybe some of the most surprising pieces of that report as you're going through, looking at billions of data points? I mean, you guys have so much access. Like, what was surprising to you?
1: This is our second edition of the report. The the first edition we fielded right in the middle of 2020. So what we were trying to understand was how are organizations, commerce organizations, adapting in a period of rapid change from the market to the customer? And in this version, we fielded it in February of 2022. And so it was a little bit different time. We were coming out of a lot of heavy restrictions. People are moving into a more state of normalcy. And uh, so we wanted to understand given us moving forward, how are organizations changing their strategy and what are they planning for moving forward? What are some of the things that they're prioritizing in terms of their investments? For me, one of the most surprising things was looking at the regional breakdown of the data. So we looked at over 21 different countries and what was consistent was that emerging markets were really ahead of the curve in terms of new uh, technology, new commerce tech. They were much more likely to have already invested in the headless architecture for their commerce business. And they're also much more likely to have been investing in cryptocurrency as a form of payment and experimenting in different Web3 strategies, like with NFTs, especially when we looked at it, their data compared to the uh, typical more mature markets, especially in North America, they were just much more likely to have invested in those new
0: innovations. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you always hear about the, the leapfrog effect. I know we've talked about it a few times on the show where, you know, many... Markets just skipped point of sale systems or just skipped, you know, a core piece of technology that many companies here in the US are using. Other markets were like, no, we don't even, we'll just go right past the next thing. So, exactly. that's, yeah, that's really interesting. Are there any markets that come to mind that, you know, you were most surprised by or that you think are the farthest ahead?
1: One that sticks out is uh, Latin America in particular. I believe off the top of my head, they had the um, highest rates of headless commerce adoption and were much more invested in uh, crypto as a form of payment than anywhere else. That market was certainly driving the numbers and the trends that we saw, but it really was across the board, especially, like I said, when we compared it to more mature commerce markets, nearly everybody was, like you said, the leapfrog effect. Absolutely. We saw that.
0: Yeah, it seems like there could be some good case studies that larger enterprises could, you know, have around these markets and just see what some of the different companies in these markets are doing. I mean, could they even do that though? I guess that's my question is like, can they even move quick enough to catch up with these other markets? Because you essentially have to maybe kill everything you're doing and then start over if you want to be like them. So I wonder how, you know, companies here can even think about moving in that direction, if at all, or moving quick enough.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if you have a, a large international presence and you're moving into those smaller markets, that might be an opportunity, right, to experiment with those newer technologies. And then test and optimize and then expand out across your you know, other points of business. But that's, a, that's an advantage if you are a large company that is you know, expanded across all over the globe. I think you know, if you're a smaller company or you only operate in one market, absolutely, it's hard. It's hard to um, rip and replace and, and reinvent your entire strategy and, and way of thinking. I think a lot of organizations are taking a, a wait and see approach, especially to some of these newer technologies like Headless and Web3 which is totally fair. A lot of the change and in innovation that we're going to see happens in some of these uh, larger, more mature markets is, I think, going to be driven by the, the consumer or the buyer. We see that happening you know, in other parts of commerce, especially with channels. So more and more customers are engaging across so many different channels to buy. Uh, and this is true on both the B2C and the B2B side of the business. In fact, B2B organizations are much more likely to have invested in social media, social commerce. And that's likely driven by the relevance of LinkedIn um, and how important that is for B2B organizations. But just seeing how the, the customer and where the customer is and where the customer is demanding that interaction and having that experience, that's driving investment. One of the hypotheses that we had going into the study was that With COVID, that drove a lot of channel investment. So channels across social media, gaming, mobile applications, the new Web3 technologies, we thought that was going to start to slow down as we move forward and and things open back up and we, we would see traditional channels sort of coming back to the forefront. But for organizations, that's just not what they're doing. We see channel investment actually continuing to accelerate, especially for organizations That we define as digital leaders. So digital leaders are those that report having a very high level of success within digital commerce. And they say that digital commerce is having a very uh, positive impact on their organization as a whole. And so those uh, organizations who are leaders in digital, they're continuing to invest. They've already invested. They're investing right now. And they say that they're going to continue to invest over the next two years. And that's really Change that's being driven by the customer, which is really cool to see.
0: Yeah, I was going to say you can't slow down when your customers are speeding up, and even with everything that's been happening in the NFT space and crypto, you can still see there's a lot of excitement there. And I feel like the brands who kind of like hold on tight to their thesis of like why they were there in the first place, as long as they had a good thesis to begin with, like they're the ones who will prevail if they kind of keep keep that investment going in a very thoughtful way. Um, but I don't know if the markets, you know, the craziness really is going to yeah, deter any investment at this point. Absolutely. Crazy
1: times, so to speak, Uh, especially in commerce, a lot of change, a lot of, and, you know, Web3 is, you know, a disruptor is going to change the landscape as well.
0: Yeah, I agree. So when talking about crazy times, I, of course, now want to kind of dive into like the economic challenges going on right now. That's, you know, all we can hear about. I'm sure many, you know, companies, brands, leaders, there are a little bit worried seeing the inflation numbers and, margins decreasing and, you know, everything that's happening is just kind of a scary time to probably be a brand and know how to predict the next couple years. And I want to hear from you all, like what you're seeing on your side with, you know, all the companies you work with and the data that you get, like, yeah, what do you think is going to happen over the next maybe year?
1: One of the themes that I think is going to emerge, and and we talk a little bit about this in in our holiday predictions um, for 2022 is the re-emphasis on profitability and margins. Over the last two years for commerce, it was all about the supply chain, whether it was first mile, so at the supplier, you know, getting product on ships, getting it to port, getting it out of port, getting it to the warehouses and the store. And then the last mile, how do you get it from the warehouse or the store to the customer? Those challenges really dominated headlines. It was on top of mind for um, executives. And we saw that actually in in our data. Investment in first and last mile uh, strategies and tactics were the top of the list in our 2020 state of commerce survey. Those actually now move down quite significantly in terms of priority. And we're seeing that for organizations, it's going to be, how do I drive profitability? How do I do it efficiently? How do I target the right customer? And how do I do it quickly and efficiently? That's where I see moving forward the role of automation really moving more to the forefront than it's ever been. Um, How can you reduce costs? We know that at the supplier level or the producer level, costs are are going through the roof for organizations. It's rising faster than what businesses can pass on to their end customer. And so they're feeling really squeezed. So how can they find other ways to cut costs and maintain profitability in light of these challenging economic times. Um, And that's where I I see automation coming into play, um, especially driven by artificial intelligence. And really, that goes back to a a lot of different things that we talked about in the report, um, the role of data and how important data is. You can't have uh, an automation strategy if you haven't mastered your first-party data strategy. So how you're going to collect clean and, and merge your data sources and utilize and put that data to work um, and so all of those things I think were important and we're starting to we started to see that um, emerge in the second edition of the state of Commerce. If we were to refill this in three months, I think that that first party data strategy would be at the top of the list.
0: <laughs> There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas, to the latest research in health, and exercise, and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about, but don't talk about. Publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. When it comes to automation, I mean, we had Chipotle on the show and they said the exact same thing around even making the meals and how much automation they were bringing into their actual, you know, locations. And just because they couldn't even find enough people to work for them or people who wanted to do those jobs and they needed things to be more efficient. And I mean, I want to hear from you though. Are there any brands you're watching who are automating things in a way where you're like, that's pretty forward thinking or, you know, doing their first-party data strategy in a way that you think is super smart?
1: I think there's going to be a lot of automation. We're starting to see this already play out in warehousing. So that kind of goes back a little bit to the supply chain, but there's a lot of challenges and costs associated with maintaining a warehouse, especially for labor. So how they can uh, implement automation there, I think is going to be really key. Also, how organizations can leverage automation in terms of or making things like buy online, pick up in store, more efficient. We saw those types of tactics get stood up in a very scrappy way over the last two years. For the last two years, it wasn't necessarily about doing it efficiently. It was just getting it done. Now that's not necessarily the conversation anymore. Um, It's how do we do it in a more efficient and and, and cost-effective way? And so that's where I think um, automation can really come in and play a role in making that buy online pick up in store experience easier. In terms of data strategy, you know, there's some some cool brands doing a lot of cool things with data and some brands you might not even necessarily know how, you know that it's behind the scenes, it's very stealth. And I think the best organizations are those that have a very effective data strategy and you wouldn't even know it because the the experience is so smooth. Organizations that can leverage their data across all of their different touch points, I think that is the cool opportunity for having a really effective data strategy, there's tons of opportunity there.
0: Yeah. It feels like these past couple of years have been like building beta things, like just trying to get something out there. Now many things might just have to be completely rebuilt now that we kind of understand like, Oh, people actually want to stick with this. No one's going back to how it used to be. Things aren't really reverting. And so we might need to rebuild something. I mean, I did a, a buy online pickup, I think curbside. And it was a very large retailer. And I was like, I didn't even know how to pick it up. I was so confused. I was like clicking the link. It would like, (laughs) kept asking me to sign in. I'm like, I don't even have an account with you. And I was like, I don't even know where to go. And I'm like, how have we not figured this out yet? But I think it's, you know, because like organizations move so quickly to try and solve a problem that they had to, you know, maybe normally would take three years to solve. They solved it in like two months. And then I think consumers' like expectations are going to start to come back where for a little while, I think people were okay with like it just being okay. And like as long as it gets the job done. But now I think like expectations are going to go higher than ever and things might just have to be rebuilt to keep up.
1: Exactly. Especially if consumers are paying or customers are paying much higher prices yeah. than they were a year ago, their expectations are going to rise alongside that. And so Definitely high stakes. And that kind of goes back to some, you know, we do a lot, we field a lot of other surveys throughout the year. And what was interesting is that over the past two years, when we asked, what drives your decision making when it comes to choosing a brand or a company to purchase from? Consistently, when we surveyed that question over the last couple of years, it was always convenience and product availability. So if you had the product and if I could get it quickly and easily, like that's where I would spend my money. But now when we feel that same question, and this is just in the last month or two, it's no longer about convenience or efficiency. It's about pricing. So customers are now more than ever voting with their wallets. They're going to go where it makes the most sense for them. So, you know, if you are raising prices as we, as all organizations are, how are you going to capture the hearts and minds of customers that are, you know, feeling the burn? And there's still a segment of the population that is, more shielded from those economic uh, challenges right now. And they're still leaning more towards convenience and availability. But you know, they're still gonna want to have efficiency and um, they all kind of go hand in hand.
0: Yeah, yeah, makes sense. So how should I be thinking about the holiday season then with prices going up, people are definitely pulling back purchases probably because they're like, I don't even know what's about to happen and who the heck knows. So like, how should a brand be thinking about the holiday season, and the coming year? like How should they be approaching you know, selling and thinking about pricing and messaging and all of that? It's a lot to unpack in that one question. <laughs> I like to do that. Just throw it all out there and be like, let's see what sticks with Kayla. <laughs> I think the key theme
1: for this year is profitability. How organizations maintain margin because we're seeing large organizations report that customers are pulling back on consumption. And we also have an inventory problem. So in light of all of the supply chain challenges that we've had over the last two years, companies bought a lot of extra inventory in hopes that they would just get something in. And so how do you get that inventory off the books? Well, I think it's going to be, you know, promotional strategy is going to be really key this year. Um, There's going to be a lot of noise in the ether when it comes to sales. I'm already starting to see this. Brands that I would normally never see discount are offering 40% off sales. And so how do you make sure that you're not overly promotional? Because then what we find is that people get into a, a game of discount chicken. How do you plan for that? And I think the first part is... i have talk about data again. But looking at your data, understanding you know when your customer most likely to buy Cyber Week. We know that for health and beauty organizations or companies that normally see around the holidays customers buying for themselves versus buying for gifting. Those companies are more likely to see the majority of their purchases happening within Cyber Week. For most organizations, we're seeing a pull forward of holiday demands, a lot of sales into early November. And that's been because of the rise in Promotions happening at that time of the year, sales starting earlier in order to encourage people to buy earlier. And a lot of that was driven by the supply chain, right? You know, We don't know if we can get this to you in time for the holidays, so buy now. And customers did that. But now this year, with inventory being at an all-time high, customers being very price conscious, understanding when the right time um, for your business to start your promotional calendar, when to start promoting... How often you should be promoting, that's really gonna be key. And you know, the part of that is looking at your data and just seeing, you know, what the trends are within your customer base, your audience. And then also, you know, looking at tools like artificial intelligence to help you, you know, deliver that the right time, right message at the right price type of engagement. Cause I talked a little bit earlier about how there's kind of two different sectors of the economy when it comes to the customer. There's the customer that's feeling the economic burn quite heavily. And then there's the customer that's still quite shielded from economic conditions. I mean, they're feeling it, but they're not really pulling back on their purchases or their consumer behavior. How do you segment those different segments of your your audience differently? You should be treating them differently.
0: Mm, that's good.
1: I think AI is a really effective way to do that at scale. Um, it's going to be really important this year.
0: No, that's great. I like that. I like the idea of how to segment customers based off of what you believe they're feeling, where they're living, where they're located, income levels, whatever you know. You can get access to. Absolutely. I like where you're talking about you have to be serious about your sale and not just be having sales all the time because then it becomes meaningless. And I also like adding in a little bit of FOMO. There's a couple of sites that I'm on where they'll say there's only two left. And I'm like, oh no, that means there must not be any more discounts. And I'm like, there's probably more than two, but... It gets me every time. Like same thing with flights. Like I mean, I, I think uh, yes. Southwest does that. And every time like, they were serious. Now sir, there is no more low price option. It's all gone now. So I think making sure customers know that like, you're serious with what you're saying and it's not just gonna keep having 30%, 70%, 40% like all over the place where you're like, I don't even know what to believe with this company anymore. That's a good long-term strategy. Exactly.
1: And I think a lot of brands end up getting in trouble with that. It hurts them in the long run. And so I think a lot of brands are potentially going to fall into the trap of that this year. It's going to be really challenging. (laughs) You got to be careful.
0: Yep. Yeah, I agree. Well, Kayla, this has been an awesome interview. Once again, always, I love chatting with you. For anyone who wants to dive deeper into some of these insights, you can go to sfdc.co slash commerce insights. That's where you will find Salesforce's second edition state of commerce report. And then for the holiday report, we will link it up in the show notes so you can figure out what you should be doing for the holiday in 2023. Kayla, thank you for joining us. It was a blast and we'll have to have you back again. So much fun. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast.